throughout world history, we think of some pretty notable leaders who in their day exercised tremendous power, some absolute dominion. There was Alexander the Great. He's called the Great because uh, he conquered so much of the known world of his day. In fact, really, the reason that the Greek was a universal language at the time that, the, that Jesus came along was because Alexander the Great had conquered and introduced him to the Greek language. He died in 323 B.C. There's Julius Caesar, who's one of the most powerful of the Roman Empire Caesars. He died in 44 B.C. There are people in, in our country that certainly stand out in our heritage and our history. George Washington was undeniably the hero of the American Revolution. Became the first president. Decided on his own not to run for later for, for re-election. Washington, he died in 1799 A.D. You think about Europe and you can't help but think of Napoleon. Napoleon that led the French army and invaded so much of, of Europe and yet 1821 he he died there were people in our country that had tremendous influence and still impact the way people view the world today such as Abraham Lincoln think about Lincoln who was so persistent he he had so much failure early in his life but he never gave up he persisted to the end and he finally became president and during his time, he led a war that reunited the states, ended slavery in America. 1865, he died. The passage that we're looking at today is from Psalms 146. And Psalms 146 contrasts earthly leaders and their mortality with God and his immortality. They contrast the, the very small, limited ability of political leaders to be able to help us in contrast with the unlimited ability of God who has no beginning and no end. Psalm 146 is a challenge about where do we ultimately put our, put our trust. Do we put our trust in people or do we put our trust in, in God? I've, I've been around for a few presidential elections now and here we are again. Four years later, we'll be there again. And it seems like every election is always like the most important election we've ever had. Have you ever heard that before? Like everything in world civilization is dependent on who gets elected in this election cycle. And, and so that, anyway, that's the way the rhetoric usually goes. And I know that some leaders are better than others. And certainly every election does make a difference in the direction of our nation and our, our history. But the reality is, is that, that every person running in this election, in a few years, they'll all be dead. And the Bible says in the psalm we're looking at today, when they die, their plans die with them. It's a reminder to us that, that ultimately our hope is in everlasting God who doesn't change. It doesn't die. But his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So I want to ask you to join me in standing as we read Psalm 146. 
verses 1 through 10. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food for the, to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we give thanks today for the psalm that reminds us where our hope lies. I pray today that you'd help us to put all people and all earthly resources into proper perspective. May our ultimate trust and faith be placed in you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the psalmist teaches that we, don't, we need to trust God because, well, first of all, because people die. The psalmist emphasizes that, that all of us are just going to be here for a temporary amount of time on this earth, in this body, with the ability to, to help anyone. You and I are not going to live forever. Verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord and... Here's the emphasis, as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. The, the psalmist emphasizes that he recognizes that there's only a short amount of time that he has. And so what do you do with such a, such a limited amount of time? And so the psalmist says, I will... I will praise the Lord as long as I live. Giving praise to the Lord doesn't mean that we don't, we don't vote. It doesn't mean that we don't pour into our children. It doesn't mean that we don't get married and fall in love. It means that we recognize that all these things are for a short time, but the Lord is forever. And so ultimately our hope and our trust is in him and not in, in any, any person. So the psalmist says, I'll praise the Lord as long as I live. There seems to be a direct relationship between uh, how much resource we have and how careful we are with it. Yeah, have you ever heard that phrase, easy come, easy go? Uh, parents are very frugal. I, I really wish I was more like them in that area. I learned a little bit from them, but 
They're extremely frugal. And the whole time I was growing up, my mom would teach me money uh, principles. And she had all these different sayings and things that really epitomized her view of finance. That's one of the things that she would often say when you see people kind of doing something extravagant. She would say, well, easy come, easy go. She says, if you have to work hard for it and you just have a little bit, you'll be much more careful with how you, how you spend it. Unfortunately, many people today are spending their lives as though it's easy to come. But the reality is that it is definite, finite, and limited. We only have a set number of days. As we begin to recognize what little time we truly have on this earth, it should cause us to value it more and make decisions about how are we going to spend that, that time. So the psalmist says, as long as I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Verses 3 and 4, as he talks about the, the princes, and, and we, can, we can translate that into our day in terms of any political leader. The point that the psalmist makes that political leaders, they cannot help you forever even if they wanted to. They don't have the ability and so he says, put not your trust in princes. So the Bible tells us plainly, don't, don't put our, our trust in political leaders. And there's a whole lot of reasons. Uh, you ever seen a, a political leader disappoint before? Or say one thing and then do something else after they get elected? Or, or maybe even just get elected for the sake of their own benefit? But let's say that there was an absolute saint of a person running for office who had nothing but the purest desires to help us. Psalms teaches that even that person can't help us because like us, they're soon going to die. The Bible says here, put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. His plans perish. You think about all these people that, that shaped the world in their day. Alexander the Great. Those territories that he conquered, they're now ruled by other countries. His name may be remembered, but his power is gone. There was Julius Caesar. He led a world empire that no longer exists. It was later split into east and west and then the west dissolved and so did the east. Think about George Washington. He's been succeeded by president after president after president. Napoleon led a country that has been reconstituted multiple times. Abraham Lincoln, he wasn't even able to finish his own term. Assassin's bullet ended it early. This is not in any way to belittle these people. It's simply to put them in proper perspective against God. God who's not subject to cancer. God who can't be taken out by assassin. God who doesn't grow old. God whose plans does not change. 
when we begin to put everything in perspective and then we realize that our hope needs to be in the Lord not in not in people and so he says put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation when his breath departs he returns to the earth and on that very day his plans perish so when we begin to understand that that political leaders come and they go even the best they grow old and they die and another generation comes along and yet the Lord since he laid the foundation of the earth has been consistently moving to bring about our redemption to bring about an eternal kingdom and he is not he is not subject to be overtaken replaced outvoted or even impeached his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom this is why our trust needs to be in the Lord and not in mere people when we trust in the Lord the Bible says we are we are blessed we're blessed look what it says in verse 5 it says blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord he is God the best life you can have is a blessed life. The word blessed is the most frequent word in the Old Testament. If you run a search, you'll find that that word occurs more than any other time in the Old Testament. And when it's used in relationship to man, it means to be favored by, by God. The idea of being blessed means that, that God's hand is upon us we're not we weren't real big into sports at my house I played a little bit of basketball Suzanne was in the, the band and you ever you ever been at some of those games and you just feel like the refs on one side or the other just partial partial I don't know how often that happens but I know how often they get accused of it just about every game there's somebody that leaves and storms out in the parking lot and talks about the, the partial ref who threw the game away you know what it means to be blessed it means that that God is partial toward you it means that the scales are tipped against the devil and in your favor it means that he is he is looking out for you his hand is upon you. You're favored by, by him. The incredible thing is, as I understand the scriptures, that this opportunity is available to everyone. Because it doesn't say blessed are the people that the Lord randomly picks. It says blessed is he whose hope is in the Lord, his God we come to the point in our life that we put our hope and our trust in him the Bible says this is when we experience a blessed life you see God is able to bless us 
because he is the faithful creator. Look what it says in verse 6. Who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. The Bible describes here that God created the heavens and the earth. It's really kind of a, a radical idea in our culture today. I know that in our public universities, many schools, the idea of creation is laughable. When I went to school, got four different degrees. One of them's from a secular public university. I've heard all the arguments about evolution. I've read some of Darwin's book. And I've seen countless debates and lectures. I know what the arguments are. But I also know that the scripture, the scripture that was inspired by God, in this scripture, God revealed to us that we were, we were created, that he is our creator. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons that I believe this, but one of them is, if you look at the beauty and the complexity of the world, it's hard for me to figure out how any rational, logical person could look at that and conclude that we're here because of a random accident. One person said it this way. They said, if you're walking out through the woods and you look down all of a sudden and see a Rolex, you know one thing for sure, there's a watchmaker. When we look at the world, it's hard not to conclude that there's a creator. The Bible says, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. This passage is teaching us that the reason that God stands in such stark contrast to princes or today to presidents is because he is the creator and they, like us, are the creation. This is why God is able to bless us. He has the power. The God who was able to speak and the world came into existence has the ability to hear our prayers and to answer and to care for us. The incredible thing about God is that he not only has the power to help us, but he has the desire. The Bible says in the second part of that verse, who keeps faith forever who keeps faith forever the bible teaches us from beginning to end that god is a faithful god that means that when we put our hope and trust in him we don't have to worry about him changing his mind we don't have to worry about him getting lax and lazy on the job he is faithful and there may be many times that we have not been faithful to him but we don't ever have to worry about him not being faithful to us and so we can put our hope and our trust in him because he is the creator who is, keeps the faith forever. We need to trust God because he is, he is just and compassionate. The Bible says in verse seven, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord sets the prisoners free. 
incredible thing about the Lord is that he does what most politicians talk about very popular today to talk about trying to help the poor trying to raise up the underprivileged and even the the middle class but it's God who executes justice for the oppressed and who gives food to the hungry the Lord sets the prisoners free not always on our timetable as we would like you can see the last sermon series on Obadiah for more on that thought but God whose justice is absolutely perfect the Bible says that he executes justice for the oppressed that means that even when we see so much tragedy in the world we know that one day everyone will give an account before God Jesus told a parable parable about two men one one was named Lazarus and the other is an unnamed rich man and the point of Jesus story and, and I don't know if it was an illustration he was giving or if it was a real account of someone the Lord knew but in the story that he he tells the two their fortunes are reversed Lazarus suffers greatly in this life while the rich man lives in lavish luxury but yet when they exit this earth Lazarus the man who is blessed by the Lord is received into heaven while the rich man who the Jesus would later make clear never listened to the scriptures and never repented and never believed pays for his sin and torment when we think about this verse it says who executes justice for the oppressed who gives food to the hungry it, it's possible to look around the world and and be snide and cynical and say well I see plenty of people that are oppressed and aren't receiving any justice and I see plenty of people who are poor who are not being fed but the Lord has a timetable that's a little longer than yours and mine because he doesn't die and his plans don't perish with him as with earthly leaders but he reigns forever and he is patient and he is kind so we need to trust in God because people die we trust in God we're blessed and we need to trust in God because he helps the weak verses 8 through 10 the last part of this psalm emphasizes the Lord's concern for people the Bible says here the Lord opens the eyes of the blind the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down the Lord loves the righteous the Lord watches over sojourners and holds up the widow and the fatherless. But the way of wicked he brings to ruin. And these verses, it reminds me of the messianic prophecy about Jesus. You remember when John the Baptist was, was having his doubts. John the Baptist, when he first encountered Jesus, John the Baptist was out baptizing and Jesus came and John he proclaimed to the crowd he said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world but yet later when John the Baptist was in prison and 
he knew almost certainly awaiting eventual execution he began to have his doubts and so he told some of his disciples he said he says go ask him are you the one or should we look for another and Jesus Jesus quotes the Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah And he begins to identify all the miracles that he has performed. You see, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. When Jesus died on the cross, one of the things that he said was, It is finished. Now, all the blind people hadn't been given sight. All the hungry had not been fed. All the lepers had not been healed. What did Jesus say? He said, it is finished. I think that's a pretty clear indication that the Lord didn't come just to heal us of our physical diseases. He performed miracles and gave signs so that we might know that he was the Messiah. But his ultimate desire in our life is to do far more than to give sight to blind people. His ultimate goal in our life is to give life to dead people. The Bible tells us about this man who was paralyzed and his friends wanted to get him to Jesus, but they couldn't because of the crowds. And so they cleared away a hole in the roof and they lowered him down as Jesus was teaching in a house. The amazing thing is that Jesus didn't heal him. Jesus looked at him and he told him that because of his faith, his sins were forgiven. But as he said this, there were Pharisees that were present. And the Bible says that Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he said to them, he says, which is easier? To say, take up your mat and walk or to say your sins are forgiven? But he says, but nevertheless, so that you'll know. Then he told the man to take up his mat and walk. The Bible seems to indicate that Jesus had no plans to heal this man of his paralysis he wanted to give a man who was spiritually dead life because of forgiveness of his sins. But so that they would know that he had the power to do this, the power that, that only God has. He healed him of his paralysis so that he could walk. So we think about the Bible's promise here. That the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. God's miracles of healing, of raising the dead through Jesus. They're mere signs that point to a greater thing that God wants to do in our life. God wants to bring total, complete healing. He wants to bring forgiveness of sin. You say, Pastor, well, forgiveness of sin is great, but what about the body? You know, the Bible says that we're going to receive a new body, a resurrected body. 
There's no earthly leader that can even promise anything with credibility compared to what God is actually doing. Verse 10 concludes with saying that the Lord will reign forever. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. If you look back through history, you'll find that all the false gods of Moses' day, later of David's day, no one worships them anymore. No one. There, there's, there's no Baal worship in the world today. I, I don't know if there's even a single person that believes Baal ever even existed today. And yet for Old Testament Israel, they constantly battled against Baal worship in the land of Canaan. The people that tried to bring it in and infiltrate. The gods of the Egyptians, if it wasn't for archaeology and history, we wouldn't even know what their names are today. They never existed. And their memory is nothing more than just a mere memory. The political leaders, we know their names because one day we sat in a history class in school and we were told their stories. But they no longer exist. And there may be some people in our nation this year, the years to come, there may be some decent people who are sincere. And they might even make our lives a little bit better for a moment. But that's all they can do. All they can do is affect a moment because people die, but the Lord lives forever. People may reign for a generation, but the Lord reigns through all generations. The Bible says the Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. So when we put our faith and hope in the Lord, there'll never be a time that he becomes outdated. There'll never be a time that he becomes irrelevant. There'll never be a time that he is removed from power. And from those of us that are young today, there'll they'll come a time when the present political leaders will be completely forgotten by our grandkids. And we'll have to explain the stories about who they were and what they did. Because no matter how great they may be, it is God who reigns forever. So let us listen to the psalmist. Instead of putting our hope and trust in people, maybe put our hope and trust in the Lord. May we allow people to be his instruments without elevating them to his throne. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you make us wise and discerning. Lord, we know the Bible teaches us that you designed government 
and ordained authority. But Lord, help us not to confuse the creator with the creation. I pray today for every one of us, Lord, that our ultimate hope and our trust would be in you and you alone. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says in this passage that the Lord reigns forever. As God has revealed progressively throughout Scripture what he's doing in the world, we understand more and more about what that means. You see, when Jesus came, Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. And one day he's going to return. He's going to receive us unto himself, and he's going to consummate that, that kingdom. It may be hard for us in our limited perspective to understand but I promise you there'll be a day that you won't care who the president was. It won't matter to you who dominated what world empire. For we'll all stand before the Lord. Here's the amazing thing about this. Because the Lord is merciful and compassionate. He's made a way for us to be able to stand even though we don't deserve to stand. You see that's why Jesus Christ came. He came and he lived an absolute perfect life in your place. So that if you would simply believe and trust in him, you could receive forgiveness. The passage that we read today said that we were blessed. We're blessed whenever we put our faith and our hope in the Lord. You could receive that blessing today by trusting in him. So I want to invite you today, if there's never been a time in your life that you've talked to the Lord, ask for forgiveness. Express your belief and faith in him. Why don't you do that now? You can pray and talk to the Lord right there in your pew, or if you need somebody to help you pray, I'll be standing at the front. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer in the Lord, but you're deeply heartbroken. Somebody in your life has let you down. I want to encourage you today. Put your trust in the Lord and not in people. Maybe you're here today and the Lord has spoken to you about something that's not even related to this message. If God is speaking to you in any way, convicting you of sin, impressing upon you a call to do something, would you just pray and respond to him however he may lead you? Let's stand as we sing. You come if you need to.